ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99, at AmberW790. You can also always give us a call and join the conversation on the Canty call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So, Chris, the team that won... 64 games during the regular season is in a split series with a Zionless New Orleans Pelicans team. And I'm not sure that we thought we would be here, but the Pelicans <laughs> beat the Suns 125 to 114 yesterday in game two. Game three will come to us on Friday and Devin Booker may not be available for the Phoenix Suns for game three. The Suns star left the game early in game two with a white right hamstring tightness He did have an MRI, according to Woj, and here is Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN's NBA analyst, giving us an update on NBA Today. MRI results came back today, Malika, a mild right hamstring strain, and I'm told that Devin Booker is likely out in both games three and four in New Orleans. Now, uh, I'm told he is not ruled out of this series yet, but a timeline, you know, it's really going to depend on how the rehab goes, all of those factors that go into you know, such a tricky injury, an injury you know, that Devin Booker is familiar with both this season, last year in the finals, really over the last couple of years he's dealt with. This one has uh, been termed mild, and the expectation right now is at least out games three and four in New Orleans. And listen, this is a real test now for Phoenix. Well, you heard Woj say it there. This series goes to New Orleans for games three and four. Booker leads the Suns with the best points per average uh, per game at almost 27 points per game. He's the only player on the team to average above 20 points per game. He is averaging 28 points per game in these first two playoff games this season. A huge loss, Chris, for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, are we talking now about the Suns being in trouble here against the Pelicans without Booker? Well, I'll tell you what, the Suns are going to be in trouble without Booker if Brandon Ingram continues to play the way that he did last night. 37 points on 13 to 21 shooting. He was a perfect three for three from three point land, and he was a perfect eight for eight from the charity stripe. So if Brandon Ingram is capable of putting together that type of performance, then yeah, the Phoenix Suns better worry. And Amber, lest we not forget, the Phoenix Suns, when Dever Booker went down at the end of the third quarter, they were down by three points. Mm-hmm. So the, the the Pelicans were already making it a dogfight. And everything you thought about the New Orleans Pelicans coming into the playoffs, you might as well forget it. Because this is absolutely a different team since they traded for C.J. McCollum at the deadline. He has become that force, that complimentary scorer to Brandon Ingram. It takes away so much of the pressure that Brandon Ingram has to deal with from a night-in, night-out basis as far as defensive coverages are concerned. And so he can go out there and he can take advantage of favorable matchups. And you're talking about a guy that is as good an athlete in the front court that we have in today's NBA, and he's got guard-like skills when it comes to his ability to be able to handle the ball on the perimeter. So there are a lot of things to like about the way that Brandon Ingram is playing. Amber, I can make the argument that you're probably talking about that was his best game in his career. And this is a guy that has a 50-point performance under his belt. So – 
a big fan of what we're seeing from Brandon Ingram in the playoffs so far and not so big a fan of what we're seeing from the Phoenix Suns because it looks like a team that came into this series with the idea that they were entitled or they were supposed to win. And that's certainly not the mentality that the New Orleans Pelicans came into this series with. Well, they were supposed to win. I mean, we're t- we're talking about the team that won six. But you gotta games win. But you gotta win, though, Amber. That's the thing. Well, you, you, you do can't, have you to gotta go earn. Right. You gotta earn your wins, and it feels like they just thought we're gonna roll the basketball out here, and we're gonna be able to beat the Pelicans, and that is absolutely not the case. Well, it felt like that if they were full strength, they could beat darn near anybody in the entire NBA because they'd been the best team in the NBA all season long. But playoff basketball is a different basketball. And you're right. These New Orleans Pelicans are particularly motivated and everybody was counting them out because imagine what they would look like if they had Zion in this team as well. And so they're missing any of their big stars. Obviously, they don't have that star power on that team, but they're playing some very good basketball even so. But let's not pretend like the Suns didn't take game one, right? Like this series is not over to me it's not even over to me if Devin Booker isn't available to go for the rest of the series because we're talking about a Suns team that was eight and six without Devin Booker in the regular season so they did more winning than not they can stay afloat without Booker out there if they have an opportunity to prepare for it I understand that game was as close as it was even before Booker left that game I do feel like maybe that game's different though if Booker is able to stay out there they didn't have time to prepare for that now they have time to gain plan for this situation because they know that they're going to treat Devin Booker here with kitty gloves as they should Chris Mm -hmm. I mean they should be really cautious with him even if we heard Woj say that it's a mild in terms of this hamstring injury uh, that he's dealing with because you're going to need Devin Booker if you have any hope of winning a championship and that's what this Phoenix Suns team is trying to do so I do think they can get past this round with or without Devin Booker there's going to be a lot of pressure on CP3 moving forward Chris but I don't Mm. know if they can get past Beyond this round, without Devin Booker, then all of a sudden a very uphill battle for this. Well, here's here's what I'll say, Amber. I mean, in Game One of this series, it was a ten to twelve point margin of victory for the Suns, and in this game, there were twenty lead changes. So I don't think it's a fait accompli that the Phoenix Suns are advancing to the second round if Devin Booker can't play, you know, the remainder of the series, or if he's significantly hobbled for the rest of this series. I, I don't know that I can assign that success to the Phoenix Suns. I just don't. And it's based on what I've seen from the New Orleans Pelicans in the play-in games and what I'm seeing from them in the first couple of games against the Phoenix Suns. This is a team that's playing with house money. There is no pressure on the New Orleans Pelicans. They are going out there. They're playing free and easy. Now, do I expect the New Orleans Pelicans to shoot 33s and knock down 56% of them in game three? No, I don't. But I do expect them to say, play sound basketball, and their head coach, Willie Green, has got them believing that this team belongs on this stage. And belief is a very powerful thing when it comes to teams playing this time of year. So there is no intimidation factor as far as the Suns are concerned in the Pelicans' eyes. And so this is a situation now where the Suns are going to have to figure out where is their volume scoring going to have to come from because you're going to be missing a guy that knocks down 27 points a night. Well, Chris Paul uh, was asked that very question. How are they going to handle things now that Devin Booker is injured? Here was Chris Paul and Devin Booker's injury. Uh, it is what it is. Part of the game. You know what I mean? We uh, got guys that's more than capable of stepping up. You know, Book was killing. He was having a big time game, but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is, Chris Canty. It is part of the game, uh, but here's what the odds have done. 
since this injury, since the Suns have now dropped a game to the Pelicans. That is a split series at one game apiece. Before the Suns lost, when the Suns were up one game to nine, the Suns were plus 200 favorites to win the West. And now they are plus 275. The Warriors' odds have shifted as a result as well. They used to be plus 575. Now they are a plus 375. So the odds are a moving based on what's happening already in this series, Chris. Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better about my pick about the Golden State Warriors going to the NBA Finals. Out yeah, of the West. yeah. I will say that. I mean, I'm just saying, one of us picked the Phoenix Suns, one of us picked the Golden State Warriors. If you had to put good money on it right now, Amber Wilson, who would you be going with? The Golden State Warriors or the Phoenix Suns? Without Devin Booker, it's a very different conversation. So, yes, well, here's, conversation- the, well, here's the thing, though, Amber. We're sitting here talking about Devin Booker and if he can get back this series and maybe game four. Think about this, Amber. When Devin Booker hurt his hamstring during the regular season, he only missed 11 games. But you're talking about him being out for three weeks. He was out for three weeks. Different that can be the That can be the difference in a playoff series. So I'm sorry, I can't have confidence in the Phoenix Suns if I don't have a fully healthy and capable Devin Booker. I'm sorry, I just don't. Well, I don't have confidence in the Warriors if they don't have a fully healthy and capable Steph Curry or Clay. Yeah, but we're not talking about injury concerns with Steph Curry right now. We got past that. He got rid of that in the first two games. I will admit this conversation sounds a little bit different today than it did yesterday when we were having the conversation (laughs) about the Warriors and the Suns. But another conversation that we had yesterday that got us all worked up was about Jokic. I had called him the best offensive player this season in the NBA. And Chris Canty took major issue with that. Now, I will remind the audience that Jokic is probably about to win a back-to-back MVP. But Chris said something insane. He said that he wouldn't even consider him a top-five player in the NBA. So that brings us to our next segment. Chris Canty's top-five players in the NBA. Stay tuned. Respectfully. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty taking you up until 6.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. And things got a little heated between us yesterday. If you miss any of the show, you can always check it out on the podcast, ESPN Radio Afternoons. And things got a little heated because we very much disagreed over a player who is about to win a back-to-back MVP, or at least we think so, in Nikola Jokic. And Jokic apparently is not in Chris Canty's top five players in the NBA, he stated yesterday. So I asked him on air well then who are your top five players in the NBA and we decided to give him a little time to formulate that list he slept on it last night I think maybe even sourced some information he did some research he made some phone calls he has come up with his top five players in the NBA according to Chris Canty yes so I had to reach out to all of my people you know I got people Amber in NBA circles people in sports media that have an NBA background just to get a feel. And here's the thing, Amber. I asked them to give me their top six because I wanted to be as thorough as I possibly can. Now, I'm not going to reveal the names of any of my sources. I will say that one of them happens to be a friend of the program. I'm not going to throw it out there. I'm not putting anybody under the bus. But what, the, what we came to as a conclusion is that Nikola Jokic is not a top five player in the NBA. Now, when I say top five player, I'm talking about a guy that I would take off of any team and use him to start my own team. So that is the context. That is the lens that I'm viewing this list through. So without further ado, let's get it going. Number five. 
Number five, that man for the Boston Celtics, that would be one Jason Tatum. He's already made an all-NBA team, and he's made two conference finals, and he just turned 24 years old. They're the second seed in the conference in the playoffs. They're taking on the Brooklyn Nets, and they're already up 1-0 in that series. But Jason Tatum is a do-everything type of player. We know that this is a wing-driven league, and this dude is one of the premier wings, not just from an athleticism standpoint, but also from a skill set perspective. And, of course, that game winner that he had against the Brooklyn Nets doesn't hurt that this guy has a knack for being able to finish in crunch time. So Jason Tatum checking in, number five on my list. Let's keep it moving. Number four. Number four, the NBA's leading scorer per game, that is, and that would be Joel Embiid winning the scoring title as a center, the first center to do so since Shaquille O'Neal did it a couple of decades ago. This guy has held it down for the 76ers in the midst of a lot of turmoil, a lot of drama with Ben Simmons, and now they have championship expectations. You know what allows 76ers fans to dream of holding up the Larry O trophy? It's Joel Embiid. That's what allows them to dream. And for good reason. A lot of people thought coming into this series with the Toronto Raptors that Toronto could give the Sixers a little bit of trouble. Let me tell you what they haven't done. Giving the Sixers even a little bit of trouble. Because the 76ers have boat raced the Raptors in the first two games. So I would expect nothing to change as the series shifts to Toronto. But I think it all speaks to the greatness that is Joel Embiid. Number three. Number three. Luka Doncic. That's right, Luka Doncic. And I I can't believe I'm saying this about a guy that hasn't won a playoff series, but since the Mavs drafted him, you're talking about the team being in the playoffs three of the first four years he's been in the league, and the only season he didn't make the playoffs was his rookie year. So I give the guy a break. But Luka Doncic is amazing. He led. He's top five in the NBA in scoring per game, top five in the NBA in assists per game, and they've essentially turned over the franchise to Luka Doncic, putting the pieces around him that accentuate what he does great. And he returned that in kind by making sure that his team was a top four seed in the Western Conference. And going up to the regular season finale, Amber, they had a chance to be the three seed over the Golden State Warriors. That's how good Luka Doncic has been, really without any other stars to play alongside him. So got to give a shout out to Luka Doncic. Certainly one of the best. He also topped ESPN's very own list of the top players under the age of 25. Luka Doncic was number one, so I don't know why you wouldn't want to try to start a team with a guy like that. Going to number two. Number two. And I feel really disrespectful in putting this guy number two because on a lot of lists, he's probably number one. But I'm going Kevin Durant. And the only reason that Kevin Durant is two and not one is because Kevin Durant is in his 30s and the guy that's number one is in his 20s. But yes, Kevin Durant, there's nothing that he can't do from an offensive standpoint in the NBA. Like, this guy is the ultimate scorer. He, he does it at a high clip with his efficiency. He can do it at all three levels. The guy is a sneaky good defender as well. So Kevin Durant, the Slim Reaper himself, checks in at number two on my list. He's already got an MVP on his resume. He's got a couple of championships on his resume. You know who he is. He's Kevin Durant. And so he has to be one of my top two players. I got him checking in at number two on this particular list. And for the top spot, if you will. Number one. 
The Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're talking about a guy that had back-to-back MVPs in the trophy case. And the only thing that was really missing from his resume was a championship going into 2020-2021. And what did Giannis do? He won a championship in convincing fashion and seems like he's poised to get back to another NBA Finals. So, yes, the Greek freak checks in at number one on my list. There was also a question of whether or not he could develop an outside game. It seems like he's made huge strides in that regard as well. So the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was also in the mix to win the scoring title this year, by the way, also one of the guys when it comes to top rebounders on a per-game basis in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player in the NBA to start an NBA team with. This is the craziest list. I don't even have time to unpack this list because we're supposed to have on Jermaine Johnson, an NFL, top NFL draft prospect, coming up with us here in a few minutes. So I don't want to take too much of Jermaine's time. And I have noticed that you didn't leave me enough room here. But it is wild that you're saying, first of all, that you have Luke on this list and that you don't have Jokic on this list. I mean, you said with Luka, he's a top five in scoring and assists. How about the guy who's number one in all of the categories? You don't have LeBron on this list, the greatest player of our generation. I know he's 37 years old. He's still the greatest. He was in contention for points per game this season. I'll start a team with LeBron. Let's go, LeBron. Steph Curry's not on this list. John Morant's not on this list. Kawhi Leonard's not on this list. Damian Lillard, Devin Booker. There are, I wouldn't not even put Jason Tatum as a top 10 player in the NBA. There are 12 guys I would put ahead of Jason Tatum in the NBA on this list. I don't have time to unpack it. Chris did this to me on purpose. I want to hear from you, though. How do you unpack Chris Canty's top five players in the NBA list? Give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. I teased it already, but coming up next, a potential top 10 pick in the NFL draft joins us. This is Amber Wilson and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty hanging out with you on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We are just eight days away from the start of the NFL draft. And it's not the year of the quarterback so much in this year's draft, Chris. It is the year of the DN. So let's go out to the Canty call-in line where we find one of the top prospects at that position in this year's draft. Jermaine Johnson the second, Florida State DN, NFL draft prospect. And Jermaine, you are a Ending up draft boards. You are on most mocks, a top 10 pick, some as high as a top five. How much are you paying attention to that? Because I don't have any experience getting drafted in the NFL. My partner here, Chris Canty, does. But if it was me, I would imagine that I would be checking them every single day, just kind of theorizing about where I might end up. Yeah, I mean, I see what my agent sends me and stuff like that or what friends and family might send me, but I don't really go looking for it um, because football is going to have to be played anywhere I go and, uh, you know, at a high level at that. So uh, I'm more focused on making sure wherever I go, you know, I'm approaching it the right mindset, being a good teammate, working my butt off, just staying germane. And um, so I I don't really look too much at it, and I know – I'll be happy wherever I go, and, and um, you know, I'll be wherever I'm supposed to be. And, Jermaine, I want to talk to you a little bit about that mindset. What has been your mentality going through this pre-draft process? And from your perspective, what has been the most difficult or challenging part of the process? Um, 
it, it's all been it's all been one of those journeys where you just take it all in every step of the way, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't really think anything's been challenging for me. I think it's all been a dream since I was a kid. So the workouts, uh, you know, the long uh, training sessions, whatever it may be, I don't think it's really been hard for me because I'm living out my dream. I'm enjoying it. Any problems that I have in this process are good problems, first world problems, you know. So, I mean, I just enjoy it all, and, you know, I take it for what it is. Very uh, good first world problems to have. Jermaine Johnson, the second Florida State DN, a top NFL draft prospect, joining us here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. So, Jermaine, you said that you're just focused on being Jermaine right now, but tell me a little bit about what being Jermaine has been like in terms of your journey to get to this point as we head into the NFL draft. Just keeping the main thing the main thing. I mean, this has always been a goal of mine, so just chopping away at what needs to be handled, uh, you know, as a man, as a person and athlete to, to get done what needs to be done for me to be here. And, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if y'all, if y'all are familiar with my journey, but I bounced around the country uh, quite a bit. So um, I've done what I needed to do, and, and I've made the sacrifices necessary for me to be here. And not only just me, though, um, everyone in my corner, every little piece, um, behind the scenes that, that sacrifice and allowed me to be here, you know, they've also worked very hard as well. So, I mean, I'm in the limelight, but trust me, I would not be here if it wasn't for every coach, every person, every family member, uh, that, that helps me the way they did. And Jermaine, you talked about bouncing around, transferring from different schools and, and settling on Florida state and working with Mike Norvell. What was it like playing for Mike Norvell and what made Florida state the place where you were able to realize your full potential as a pass rusher coming off the edge? Oh man. Uh, I mean, obviously on the field stuff, uh, went how it went, but it was just, you know, coach Norvell giving me, you know, the responsibility and, and me earning that spot as a leader on the team and all the responsibility that comes with that, not letting those guys down, knowing that the eyes are on you and knowing that you, you have to act accordingly because, you know, the team steps as you step. So just appreciating the responsibility coach Norvell and, and, and the, and my teammates put on me, you know, as a leader uh, for the, for the program. So um, I think that really catapulted me forward because when I'm playing for something, greater than myself, um, I mean, the sky's the limit, you know. So, I mean, I was playing for my brothers and I was playing for all the opportunities and, and rewards that Florida State had gifted me um, in so many ways, both tangible and intangible. Um, but I was just grateful for everything and, and uh, just trying to give back by, by giving 110% effort in everything. Jermaine Johnson, the second Florida State DN NFL draft prospect, joining us here on ESPN Radio. So, Jermaine, you know a lot, of course, of NFL draft prep is scouting prospects here. So go ahead and give me your own scouting report in your words. Who is the player in the NFL that you would compare your game against? Um, I would have to say – I would have to say Khalil Mack. Um, uh, just because how well-rounded he is as a – football player um like the guy pass rushes just as good as he stops the run and sets an edge and vice versa um people fear him uh he's fast he's powerful um and he and he just he he's felt in every single game he plays in and um i mean that's what i strive to do uh and i think that when i look in the league and i find 
you know, similar body types. Um, I just, I, I land on him because he's a little heavier, but he can still move. Lateral quickness is great. Athletic, uh, fearful, um, and he plays the run just as good as he uh, plays the pass. So, I mean, if I had to think of one, it would be Clomac. Talking with future NFL first-round draft pick Jermaine Johnson, the second on ESPN Radio. And Jermaine, I know you're from Eden Prairie, played your high school ball at Eden Prairie High School. There's an NFL franchise that calls Eden Prairie home up in Minnesota, and that would be the Vikings. Now, I know they're at 12th. You're hoping to go a higher than that. But what would it be like to hear your name called by the Minnesota Vikings as their first-round draft pick? That would be awesome, man. It would be, you know, stuff like that. Like, when stuff like that happens, it really, like, it's God. When things are too coincidental, like, I bounce all around of America just to end up back at home, and I just – and I and I I live for signs like that, and you know, just constantly reminding me God is real, and you know He's with me every step of the way, and it'd just be a little laugh inside, just in you know how ironic that is, but um, but I would love it, and the city would go crazy, I would go crazy, um, and and like I said, football is football everywhere, so you know I just go in and you know look to be Jermaine. Uh, you keep alluding to it, Jermaine. Uh, you spent a couple seasons as a as a rotational player at Georgia. You transferred to FSU. You finished your career as an ACC Defensive Player of the Year. You posted 70 tackles, 18 for a loss, 12 sacks, two forced fumbles in 2021. But before that, you were bouncing around a lot. How much do you think that kind of bouncing around in college and then ending up where you did and now here as a top NFL draft prospect, how much do you think that prepared you for this moment in terms of, hey, it's great if I go to Minnesota, but it's also great if I go anywhere. Like right now, you kind of have no idea what the next step is and you're just waiting for eight more days. Yeah, I mean, that is, legitimately that's like my story right I just so what now what is how I like to live and and that just means um so what that this happened you know now what you know take the right steps forward and, and worry about you know what you can control everything you can't put in God's hands so I mean yeah I mean that, that prepared me a ton because I know going into junior college you know I didn't know where I'd end up but I know I'd leave but I know I have to do work and going into Georgia I didn't know that I'd transfer but I knew I was gonna have to leave to the NFL didn't know where I was going but I ended up going to Florida State didn't know where I was going to the NFL still don't know where I'm going so just knowing that I can't control some things and, and making sure the things that I can control I am doing that well so well, you don't um, just focusing on control. Yeah, you don't know where you're going yet, but you're certainly well on your way, Jermaine. Jermaine Johnson, the second Florida State DN top NFL draft prospect. Thanks so much for joining us, Jermaine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Best of luck, Jermaine. Best of luck to you, my friend. The 2022 NFL Draft is April 20th through the 30th. will be broadcast across ESPN, ABC, ESPN Radio, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN's social media channels, providing fans multi-platform coverage of the league's signature off-season event, which spans three days and approximately 15 hours. Coming up next, is Chris Canty wrong for leaving Jokic off of his top five NBA players list? Plus, after the Grizzlies... Right of the ship in game two. Do the Timberwolves win another game in this series? That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio.
Chris Canty is a huge New York Yankees fan. I'm sorry, Chris Canty. Uh, Not such a good thing to be lately, particularly with what's been happening here with Garrett Cole since they cracked down on the sticky stuff. Uh, Cole was yanked in the second inning in his latest Rocky start. This is not good news for your friend. How long do they have him under contract for, Chris Canty? Remind me Yeah, so three years ago in free agency, Brian Cashman thought it'd be a good idea to sign Garrett Cole, who's fresh off of a world championship with the Astros, to a nine-year, $324 million deal. Now, for those that are keeping track with their calculators at home, that's $36 million a year guaranteed, Amber. And Garrett Cole, since they had to crack down with the sticky stuff in the middle of last year, has not pitched up to that that kind of billing. He's not that guy right now. So far through three starts this season, he has 11 and a third innings pitched. He has a 6.35 ERA, Amber, and last night he walked five batters. That's where he's at. He has a whip, that means walks plus hits per inning, of 1.4. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's not what we're signing up for. That's not the guy that we thought was showing up in the Bronx as a Yankees fan. And the worst part about this deal, Amber, is that this team uses the luxury tax threshold as a hard salary cap. And the fact that we're going to have Garrett Cole's contract on the books for another six seasons after this one is terrifying in terms of the opportunity cost and what it's going to keep us from getting in the future. We're trying, we try to get a deal worked out with Aaron Judge. That went to hell before the season. So we could have Aaron Judge walking away in free agency potentially after this year. Why? Because of deals like Garrett Coles. Because of deals like Giancarlo Stanton, who we got under contract for another five years at, what, $26 million a year? So great job, Brian Cashman. It's not a problem of spending big money. You just don't know where to spend big money. You put it in Stanton. You put it in Cole. How's that return on investment going for you? That's your ace there in Garrett Cole. Uh, no, he's not. not- Nestor Cortez <laughs> is our ace. Now, he's not our ace. Garrett Cole is not the ace of the New York Yankees. It is Nestor Cortez until otherwise notified. Wow. Period. Point blank. Yes! It's not so much a problem with velocity with Cole. It's more of a problem with location here when he's at the top of the yeah, game. Yeah, location. The- like keeping it in the ballpark and not letting Vlad Jr. go yard twice on you. How about that? I guess he location. needs stuff to get the location of the ball exactly where he needs it to be one of the top pitchers in the game. So a very difficult situation for the New York Yankees who might legitimately have a problem. I think we are at that point where we can call this a legitimate problem with Garrett Cole, their supposed ace. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. And Chris... The Minnesota Timberwolves surprised a lot of us in game one when they took down the Memphis Grizzlies. And you and I talked a lot about that series yesterday, and we both discussed that maybe it had something to do with the Timberwolves coming off of a play-in win, and they're coming off of the play-in tournament, and so they're kind of riding high, and they're full of confidence. Cat was able to turn things around in the second play-in game, and then he looked phenomenal there with this game one. And then the Memphis Grizzlies came out yesterday and reminded us all that they have been the second-best team in the West in the NBA. And even though they had a week off coming into that game one and looked like they had missed a step or looked like maybe they weren't really ready yet for these playoffs last night they certainly looked ready for these playoffs and so now the question is Chris Canty are the Minnesota Timberwolves going to win another game in this series 
Amber, before I answer that question, can can I ask a small a small favor or a request to some network that's out there? I would love it if ESPN could do this, but there's got to be a television network that creates a show around T. Morant and Carl Anthony Towns Sr. And for those of you that don't know who those people are, that is the father of John Morant, star point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, and big man, superstar Carl Anthony Towns, the uh, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, all everything power forward. Like, like, like we have to have a show with those two guys. And I don't basketball know what dads. it would be called. That, that, there you go. Basketball dad. We, we have, have basketball wives. show called Basketball, basketball dads. dads with T. Morant and Carl Anthony Towns Sr. going to all of their son's game, hanging out with the off, hanging out in the offseason. Uh, Matt Lack just got in my ear. E+. Put it on E+. Plus. It's perfect go. content. Have those guys out there. Basketball dads. Follow them throughout the course of the playoffs. Follow them through the offseason. I just want to see those two go at it. I mean, we saw it again last night on NBA TV with Chris Haynes talking to both dads in the middle of the game, and they were giving it to each other. I would love to just see that kind of footage, but I digress. Has, has anybody ever seen Carl Anthony Towns' dad in the same room as Usher? Are we sure they're not the same person? That's all oh, I'm you mean, saying. No, no, I don't know about you. Mean T. Mor- T. Morant's dad looks more like Usher than. Oh, Carl is it T. Morant that looks like one it's of them? Looks Morant. just like Usher. Yeah, T. Morant. T. Morant was the one with the shades on. That's okay. T. Mor- then that's T. John Morant. Morant's John Morant's dad yes. looks just like Usher. Are we sure we've ever have we ever seen John Morant's dad in the same room as Usher? Are we sure they're not the same person? Nah, uh, because they that look is, that just is a great alike. Question. I do. That I would. I would watch that show on E Plus. So ESPN, go ahead and make that happen. By the way, if you want to watch us on E Plus, we are also streaming live on E Plus until 6 30 p.m there we go shameless plug but i digress so with the game last night amber that was more reflective of the memphis grizzlies team that i thought was going to show up in the playoffs like that's who i was expecting to see in game one and so i was a little shocked that we didn't see the same effort the same energy level in game one that we saw from the Grizz last night. You saw them. They were pushing tempo. They were getting up and down in transition, creating opportunities for easy buckets. They outscored the T-Wolves 60-34 to when it came to points in the paint. And a lot of that had to do with Ja Morant. And, Amber, that dude is so fearless. I mean, he is attacking the paint. He's jumping through guys' chests, trying to finish through contact, getting to the free throw line, knocking down big shots, making splash plays to get the crowd involved, to get his teammates involved. And to me, that's the best version of John Morant, and that's the version that the Grizz are going to need if they're going to find a way to be able to finish off this series as it shifts to Minnesota. So you're talking about a performance last night that was one rebound shy of a triple-double for John Morant. So I, I just look at it as, This is the team that I expected to show up. This is the superstar point guard that I expected to show up. And because you got that energy, that that, that enthusiasm from Ja, it just permeated throughout the rest of the team. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm already swinging the pendulum from where the Minnesota Timberwolves were at in game one way back to where the Memphis Grizzlies were coming into this series. Like I just feel like game one was more of a one-off than anything – that would reflect the complexion of the rest of the series. I think Memphis rolls from this point on. It just took them one game under their belt in order to get going. 
I, I do think that some of this had to do with the fact that the Grizz hadn't played in over a week. And and so they came in to this first round and it almost felt like they weren't ready. And, and apparently they weren't ready, but they are ready now. And this is the Memphis Grizzlies team that we did expect to see. I do think it's funny with all the praise that you just gave Jaw. And Jaw is a phenomenal player. And the reason I think it's funny that you're out here praising Jaw, given Jaw his all due respect, is because you didn't when you put together your top five players in the NBA. Because Mr. John Here Moran we go. was we're not so on that list Here of Chris Canty's top five players that you would start a team with in the NBA. John Morant wasn't on that list, people, uh, which is uh, quite literally insane. But anyways, so Morant, though, was not out there alone. And I think that's really the key with Memphis was how balanced they were. Because you had Jaron Jackson Jr. And you had Desmond yes. Bain each putting up 16 points. You had, you know, Tillman Sr. and Clark and Williams and Jones. I mean, they were all adding in double digits in terms of scoring. And that really is the bread and butter of this Memphis team, is that it's not just what Jaw can bring. And that's why we saw this Memphis Grizzlies team be so good this season when Jaw was not available to them because they are such a well-balanced team. And, and credit goes to Taylor Jenkins for having that game plan and having them ready to be balanced. This was the game that we expected Memphis to play. It's hard for me to believe that game one was more indicative of what we're going to see moving forward. I do think that things have changed now. I don't want to take it away from the Timberwolves. I don't want to take anything away from Anthony Edwards. I felt like game one was a coming out party for him, but I do feel like this Memphis Grizzlies team is just too balanced and that the Timberwolves at the end of the day are going to be outmatched. I I don't know if I'll say they won't win another game this series, Chris Ganty. I don't know if I'll go quite that far, but it does feel like, to me, the tides have shifted. Well, I'll tell you this much. If Carl Anthony Towns continues to get in foul trouble early in these games, then the Minnesota Timberwolves will not win another game this series because he picked up his fourth foul early on in the third quarter, and you can see how well-coached the Memphis Grizzlies are because Taylor Jenkins put up the bat signal and said, anybody that's being defended by Carl Anthony Towns, get that guy the ball and let them attack Towns and get easy buckets in the paint because he can't pick up a fifth. Like, them being able to take advantage of that, I guess, issue with Carl Anthony Towns' game in the playoffs is going to be a key factor moving forward. So Grizzlies, Timberwolves, tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. for Game 3. Coming up next, Kyrie Irving's interactions with Boston.